Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Hey everyone, so sorry not to be with you in person today. As many of you know, I tested positive for COVID earlier this week, and so I've been in isolation. Uh, for those of you who might be concerned, the COVID experience is different for everyone. Uh, but for me, I had a couple of days of mild fever, runny nose, and a barky cough. The cough is still lingering, but otherwise I'm basically back to normal. Uh, super grateful to the Lord for comfort, for natural healing, the way our bodies naturally work. Thanks to Him, uh, vaccines, and all the rest. So thankful for those of you who are praying for me. Please continue to pray for Jack and Anna. They're wrestling with it at the moment until me seems immune so far. Uh, anyway, we're continuing on our one series. A quick glance at my social media feed tells me that this isn't a bad weekend to talk about unity and to look to understand the core realities of Christianity that bring us together and should be valued more highly than the things that divide us. This week, we're looking at what it means to be together in one spirit. The idea that the Holy Spirit is someone who unifies us and holds us together as Christians is used in a number of places in the scriptures. Uh, what is it about being one in the Spirit that does that? Without thinking about it too deeply, we can let our minds go to Star Wars world, uh, to a galaxy far, far away. Uh, when Obi-Wan Kenobi is explaining the Force to Luke, he says, The Force is an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us and binds the galaxy together. We can kind of do that in Christianity. We all receive the same Holy Spirit. He is everywhere, so we're all kind of connected, right? But if we leave it there, we risk having an understanding that is just some kind of weird Christian variation of Buddhism's universal spirit. It's vague and it's fuzzy. It's kind of generated by us, so I guess we're connected. Uh, Christian and Jewish theology has a much richer and more nuanced understanding of the Holy Spirit. And it is that rich understanding of who the Spirit is that drives and informs our understanding of what it means to be a united community together. Being one in the Spirit has some really important implications for us. And those implications are very different from what we experience in our surrounding culture. Uh, there are a few big ideas we see in the theology, theology of the early church that should have a significant impact on us. We're going to talk about one of them today, and that key thought is the idea that the Holy Spirit was understood to be a person, part of the Godhead, three in one. And that person is not some vague, mysterious force, but a supremely powerful being with intelligence, with emotion, and will, right? So character, personality, desire, a person who acts according to that power and personality. That's very different from the force, isn't it? So as we begin to dig into this, as it pertains to how we understand unity, we're not fish swimming in a tank where we are the ones with agency, we're the ones with personality, we're the ones who can go where we want, and the spirit is an inorganic substance, water, in which we swim. Uh, the biblical illustration is that we are limbs on a body and are connected to a heart and mind. 
Or if you want to use a more current uh, illustration, sticking in the sci-fi world a little bit, uh, the connection between us isn't crude rope, it's high-density fiber optic cable that sends network uh, signal to a highly sophisticated processor that can send and receive data in response to the programming and commands of a highly invested, highly talented, highly compassionate system administrator. Now, if you're just fish swimming in the water, you depend on the water and you're surrounded by it, you're connected by it, you're all breathing it, but it doesn't care if you eat the other fish. It doesn't care what you say about them, it doesn't care uh, if you feel anything for them, it doesn't care about how your relationship with the other fish reflects on its personality. However, if you are a limb connected to a brain that is connected to all the other limbs, he cares very much. There's some significant implications to that. Uh, let's quickly blast through some scriptures in which the New Testament writers are acknowledging aspects of the Holy Spirit as a person. And we're just going to scratch the surface here. There's, there's so much. But uh, for one, we have every place where the Holy Spirit is referred to uh, by Jesus, by Paul, by others with the personal pronoun, uh, he, him. Uh, those are, of course, far too many to list. But the Holy Spirit helps and teaches in John 14, 26. So there's intelligence and care there. Uh, the Spirit communicates, speaks, directs. Acts 8.29, the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So the Holy Spirit has will, uh, is planning. Uh, the Spirit decides and acts in Acts 15.28, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. The Spirit can be offended by lies. Uh, Acts 5, 3-4, the scary story of Ananias and Sapphira. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You have not lied to men, but to God. The Spirit searches and understands. Uh, listen to this. Uh, the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Sorry I didn't include the reference there, but think of that understanding of community between Father and Son and Holy Spirit that involves discovery and exploration uh, in their infinite nature uh, within themselves. What an incredible mystery that is. Uh, the Spirit glorifies Christ. John 16, 14, He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is a primary purpose of the Holy Spirit, to glorify Christ. Imagine that, the Spirit of God working in the world for the glory of the Son. Again, what an incredible mystery. Uh, the Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The Spirit can be outraged and offended by sin. Hebrews 10.29 uh, Again, these are some scary things for us to think about. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant? by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the Spirit of grace. Outraging the Spirit of grace. That's how deep the passion to see the Son glorified goes in the life of the Spirit. 
uh, and we don't have a good understanding of what blasphemy even means, we're told blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is a sin that won't be forgiven. Theologically and in terms of definition, that would take significant time to unpack. Uh, we have lots of ideas, but we don't really know what Jesus meant when he said that. But that, that's a scary one, isn't it? So we have a Holy Spirit who is personal, caring, communicative, uh, decisive, who has made himself vulnerable to grief and hurt by his own choice to identify with us. He is active in his relationship with other members of the Godhead, uh, of whom he is one of the three in one. Uh, working to see Christ glorified in the world and outraged when God's grace is trampled on. He is very serious about not being lied to and very, very serious about not being mocked or blasphemed. What that all adds up to is that New Testament writers wrote about the Holy Spirit with a very, very deep and serious sense of reverence in mind. And that has implications for us, doesn't it? The first implication of the personhood of the Holy Spirit is that if he is present and indwelling all of us, it demands a new level of reverence and respect for one another. Every other Christian you meet, regardless of whether you agree with them or not, or like them or not, or have a similar personality to them, or not, that person has the Holy Spirit of Almighty God dwelling in them, just the same as you and I do. He loves them with the exact same passion and jealousy with which he loves you. The same tenderness, his relationship with them was purchased by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. He is abiding personally in power and in love inside of every one of us. Now, doesn't that make me very fearfully replay conversations in which I've spoken to and about other believers in whom that person of the Holy Spirit dwells? Doesn't that change how we relate to one another? If I've back-talked or smack-talked somebody, the person, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of me and loves them and lives inside of them and died for them, that person heard what I said because he's present. Imagine how different your Facebook feed would look today if Christians all understood that. Oh man, imagine now a conversation where you've spoken disrespectfully about another believer in the last six months. Imagine now that their spouse or their parent is in the room with you. Would you speak the same way? Would I? No. Uh, the Holy Spirit is present for all conversations and he is closer than any spouse or parent. He is the passionate comforter and helper who died for them on the cross, who's living inside them presently, right now. He's not only standing in the conversation, listening in, but he's jacked into my thoughts. Doesn't that make me wish I guarded my tongue and guarded my heart a lot more, a lot more carefully? Does it do that for you? It sure does for me. The presence of the Holy Spirit makes a ton of sense 
of Jesus uh, warning us in Matthew 5 that calling a brother a fool is like murder because he's listening in or looking lustfully on a woman is committing adultery. Uh, it makes sense of how seriously the Bible takes gossip and slander. It makes sense of the earth swallowing people up for grumbling against leadership, as in the case of Moses and Aaron. It makes sense to honor your father and your mother because Jesus dwells inside of them. The Holy Spirit is present to them. He made them. He's aware of them. It makes a ton of sense of how important it is to forgive people. God's presence with an investment in others must inspire some thoughtfulness in how we relate to other humans. Uh, here it is in the same chapter as our guiding text. Uh, in Ephesians 4.3, we are called to be eager to maintain unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we continue with our, our text for the series. There is one body and one spirit and so on. Uh, here is Ephesians 4 uh, verses 29 and 31. Listen to this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. As you hear bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor of Christians against one another, as we've engaged in politics of late, or as we've talked about believers with different views on vaccines and masks and mandates, Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. We have grieved you. We have to repent. This doesn't mean that we don't need to disagree on things or have hard discussions or deal with conflict or wrestle through theological issues or sometimes do the hard work of church discipline or, or whatever it is. But what that does, what this presence of the Holy Spirit does, is it means that respect and love for one another is absolutely demanded by our reverence for the Holy Spirit dwelling inside one another. Respect for one another is driven by a reverence for Him. Respect is demanded in His presence. It dramatically changes the way we think about one another and talk to one another and talk about one another simply because the person of God is there and present to us all for all of it. We respect one another uh, out of reverence for him. And we can add to that the beauty of the image of Christ in people. We have a lot of reasons to love and respect one another. A second implication of all this brings us to issues of identity. Because we have the Holy Spirit living inside all of us, we share the presence of that person. And that person is Christ who died for us. It's the Father. Uh, the Savior's identity begins to supersede our other identities. We see it reflected in scriptures like 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Galatians 3, 28, Colossians 3, 11, 
in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were made to drink of one spirit. In Galatians, Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor male nor female, uh, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, these are all pretty fundamental parts of our identity, but Jesus' identity is supposed to trump it. For Paul, it's quite simple. Uh, this very, very big, very, very important, and very, very wonderful person lives inside of us. And we've been baptized into his community, and his life has had this massive impact on us. All our other communities and identities simply don't matter as much by comparison. Earlier we read about the Holy Spirit, how the Spirit's role is to glorify Christ, and he's passionate uh, that uh, Jesus not, or the Spirit not be blasphemed, that he can be enraged when the name of the Son of God is trampled underfoot, or if the blood of Christ is profaned or made dirty or talked about in an ugly way. It, it's clear uh, that he is passionate that his nature and identity, his majesty and power and beauty and grace and forgiveness and his love is communicated with clarity through our lives. He wants to be seen and understood through us. That means we can't muddy the picture by having all of our other identities front and center, dividing us and confusing the world about who he is. In Christ there is neither Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. Paul could probably continue, and he would continue in our time. There is neither Canadian, nor American, conservative nor liberal, east nor west, vaxxed nor unvaxxed, masked nor unmasked, Enneagram 1 through Enneagram 8, neither trucker nor nurse nor teacher. Uh, We can talk about all of these things, but our identity as Christians had better be front and center. Glorifying Him is a million times, a billion times more important than these things. His name is higher. His name is higher. Uh, Not only should we be careful about raising our identities above his name, we better be careful about what identities we assign his name to. And we can do this in some pretty subtle ways, but there's uh, a great example. Just a few days ago, there's a piece of digital art floating around the Freedom Convoy world. Uh, It's a picture of transport trucks parting the Red Sea. With much respect for the artist, that may be uh, just, for one, crossing a line in terms of hubris, uh, equating a protest over mandates to the deliverance of God's people, two million Jews from slavery in Egypt. But then the author writes this, I made this piece for the truckers. As someone who knows Jesus, I can see and feel the Holy Spirit all over this. It's so strong. Now, she probably felt the Holy Spirit and felt the Lord delighting in her gifts and and has a wonderful relationship with God. But this is uh, one of hundreds of examples on social media of people putting Jesus or the Holy Spirit stamp on a political movement or opinion, using the Holy Spirit in that way to add weight to our political opinions is, in my mind, a very questionable thing to do. It's upside down and backwards, and it belies a way too small view 
of who the Holy Spirit is. To illustrate it like this, uh, saying the Holy Spirit is behind my personal political opinion and not someone else's, it's like a conversation between two fleas on a bear. Uh, one flea is saying to the other flea uh, that the bear's on his team and the bear is going where he wants the bear to go. He's somehow directing the bear. We're fleas on a bear, people. Uh, the person of the Holy Spirit and the call to glorify Christ is just so much bigger than all of these things that we're concerned about. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about them. That doesn't mean he doesn't care about us. That doesn't mean he doesn't want us to discuss these things and walk through them. But we better have uh, things in order in terms of our identity. We belong to him. It's not the other way around. Let's conclude. Uh, we've all been given one spirit to drink, and that spirit is God with a mind, with a will, with emotion, passion, and purpose. Uh, the significance of the presence of that powerful person is something we vastly underestimate when it comes to how we think and talk about other believers and how much weight we give to our individual opinions and identities. If he is God and he is personal and he is present and living and loving all of us, it demands we love one another. If he is personal and present to glorify Jesus, that identity and purpose trumps every other identity we might wish to declare for ourselves. We have to take on board a New Testament understanding about what being in relationship to the Holy Spirit, being one in the Holy Spirit, is all about. Worship team can come forward this time. Thank you guys so much. We're just finishing up. If I look back at the highlight reel of my life, uh, one of the moments I look back to still was the Canadian Church Leaders Conference in Barrie, Ontario a few years ago. I've been to and spoken at dozens of training conferences, vineyard conferences, partners in harvest conferences over the years and have had good encounters with the Holy Spirit in worship. But the absolute top of the list for me is still a Christian leadership training conference uh, with semi-hokey worship and cheesy lasers and haze machines. Uh, but it was attended by Christian leaders from every denomination imaginable, Pentecostal, Vineyard, Baptist, Free Methodist, Catholic, Anglican, Christian Reform, Brethren, and many others, uh, all gathered with one purpose, a singular purpose to glorify Christ uh, through the ministry of our churches. Uh, there were moments at that conference that were an absolute foretaste of heaven where it felt like the only slogan, the only banner, the only denomination was the Jesus denomination. And it felt for a moment like glorifying him in his holiness was our only aim. And it was powerful, that sense that we were about one thing. We're going to sing holy, holy, holy now. Um, it's intentionally chosen to help us understand and have a little bit more reverence and awe uh, for the person of God, for the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's recognize the presence of the Holy Spirit as we worship. And imagine maybe the gathered around us are people of every tribe and tongue and nation and political opinion and ideology, but all united now 
uh, by a common identity in Christ and a common uh, relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that change how we worship? Doesn't that change everything? Praying this morning that you, and I so wish I could be with you for this, will feel and experience and know the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit as you worship. God bless you. I really love you. I really wish I could be with you. Uh, Looking forward to being with you soon. Let's uh, dive into worship. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.